0: Welcome to the For Columbus Podcast, sharing inspiring stories of local faith leaders from congregations, parachurch ministries, and the marketplace with your host, Adam Ward. Well, hello, listeners. <laughs> I know it's been a little bit of time, but I'm coming back with a just an absolutely phenomenal guest. I'm so happy to Uh, share this person and his history and what he's doing today with you. Please welcome the general overseer of the Five Points Greater Columbus Apostolic Network, Dr. Scott Kelso. Scott, thanks for being on the show. Hey, thank you, Adam. It's great to be with you. Man, Scott, if, if you're around Columbus and you don't know Scott Kelso, then uh, man, you're, you're probably not that connected. This guy is a, a legend. I heard someone recently talk about him as one of the, the uh, godfathers of, of Columbus. <laughs> and uh, so Scott, I'm gonna go just go through your brief history first. You were born and raised in Dayton. Correct? Yes. And you were and you grew up in the Methodist Church.
1: In the Methodist Church. Yeah. A Gracie United Methodist Church in Dayton, Ohio.
0: And then, but when you went to college, you came to Ohio State and you got your bachelors from Ohio State, but then your senior year, something different happened.
1: Uh, Yeah, we were on a, we were on a trip to New Jersey to visit my sister and my wife was not feeling well. And we stopped in um, Carlisle, Pennsylvania. And that night in the hotel room we were watching Billy Graham on the TV and and the Holy Spirit just came right through that scream at him and just nailed me and I just got saved on the spot and my wife rededicated on the spot that night uh while we were eating chicken from Colonel Sanders or something and (laughs) you know um boy that just I mean my
0: life was just turned around completely So your, your dad was a salesman, sold trailers. That was kind of what you were thinking. Hey, I'm going to go into business too, and and follow that. And you had uh, that path. And then this happened, boom, different shift. And you ended up going to seminary. Yeah.
1: Then, yeah, the Lord really was dealing with me. I was reading everything I get my hands on the Billy Graham wrote during my senior year. And, you know, the farther I went into my senior year, the more conviction I felt about, you know, hey, I'm calling you, come, 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 son, I'm calling you to speak my word. And so that's when I really began to investigate that seriously.
0: And, uh, and something happened on a Catholic retreat um, during that time too, that was pretty fundamental to, to, to your life.
1: Yes. Well, just as I began seminary, um, The following September, I graduated from Ohio State one day, and the next day I was in seminary in Dayton. (laughs) I just didn't miss a beat. And right, you know, a couple of weeks after that, well, I met a a pastor from Western Pennsylvania um, who's become a dear friend over the years, and um, he was spirit-filled. He took me to this interdenominational charismatic prayer meeting held in a Catholic convent on Salem Avenue. Well, I wouldn't, I knew where that was been by it a million times. I grew up in Dayton. So we went in there and went down the stairs and into the basement level. And there was a group of 40 or 50 people down there with guitars, praising the Lord, all different denominations, lifting their hands, speaking in tongues. And I thought, wow, what is this? This is, I got to check this out. And um, I went back uh, a couple weeks and, You know, I just got zapped by the Holy Spirit, what we call baptized in the Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues, prayed in the Spirit. And um, then my life really took even a more dramatic uh, turn at that point.
0: Wow. And so you finished your uh, MDiv from seminary, and you took over Trinity United Methodist Church in Pickerington. Correct. Correct. Um, where you ended up serving for 38 years, 38 years, very unusual, (laughs) probably the longest tenured pastor
1: in our annual conference um, at that time. And um, yeah, I just, I mean, it just, you know, it was a small little country church that had just become what we call station church. They were, they were on a two point charge with another church downtown and they had broken away six months before I got there and became, you know, just they had their own full-time pastor. So I was really kind of the the formation pastor uh, when I came and overtook it, and it just flowered from then. Nineteen seventy-three, by nineteen eighty, we were building a whole new, adding on to it, made it three times the size it was. And by mid-eighties, we were buying thirty acres of land across the road to to, uh, build another whole new complex. I mean, it just kept flowering. So I think they had enough sense not to move me because why do you, <laughs> you know, why do you break up something that's working
0: now? Okay. So I'm going to, I'm going to rewind a little bit. You, UMC, right? Trinity UMC. So UMC was born out of the Meso- Methodist movement, which was from Wesleyan's revival movement as part of the church of England in the 18th century. Yes. Exactly. Now, when the UMC formed in Dallas in the '68, it was the c- combination of two different denominations, correct? Correct. Yeah, the Evangelical United Brethren and the Methodist; those okay.
1: two merged.
0: And then, but when you think about um, UMC, I, like a a spirit-filled environment is not something that would normally comes to mind for me. H- how was the Holy Spirit? such an instrumental part. And then how did you work within the denomination for four decades um, with that as kind of a cornerstone?
1: Um, Yeah, it's a great question. Well, in the 70s, there was a real move of the Spirit of God. Of course, they had the Jesus movement in the 70s, Mm -hmm. and um, they also had these different groups that were forming to promote Spirit-filled Christianity because the Charismatic Renewal was moving through the denominational world at that point. There was a strategic conference in 1977 uh, held in Kansas City, and that was uh, it was called the, conference, the uh, Kansas City Conference on the Holy Spirit, where the Catholics, Church, and all the Protestant denominations came together. And um, Kevin Ranahan, who I know well, was the administrator of that conference. And at any rate, During that conference, these different break-off groups from the different denominations formed spirit-filled fellowships to carry on this charismatic move. And in the Methodists, they called theirs Aldersgate, Aldersgate Ah, Aldersgate. Renewal Ministries. And so the Methodists had, they were represented there. They started their conference. The Episcopal started one. The Presbyterian started one. All the major ones started a renewal group. NARS was called Aldersgate, and it's still going today, going strong.
0: Yeah, and you served as a president for that from ninety seven to two thousand one. Yes, and so I just, I just want people to know, you know, Scott is connected all over uh, nationally. Uh, he served as a delegate to three general conferences with the UMC. Served as a president for the Aldersgate. Uh, he um, represented the Methodists and the North American Renewal. Uh, Service Committee, and then he was the Secretary of Charismatic Leaders Fellowship from 02 to eleven, and then voted in as the president for that.
1: Yes, and that's a group of, it's it's by invitation only. It's a really kind of an elite group of top-level leaders from all over the world, Um, and they come together once a year for a retreat to kind of discern what is the Spirit saying to the church today, and uh, what are some of the cutting-edge things that we need to be aware of in the body of Christ as we move forward into the 21st century.
0: So, and as, as part of that, you've, you've authored four books now, and all of them have, have, have been, I I think they have a prophetic voice or an apostolic voice to each of those books. Um, I have a copy of one of the, one of your books here with me, Ice on Fire. You also wrote Biblical Eldership. Uh, and let's see what sticks. But then, your latest book, "Theological Violence in the 21st Century," is an Amazon bestseller in the evangelism category. That hit shelves in May of of this year, correct?
1: Yes, correct. Yes.
0: And uh, and, and I as I look you know, as I go through the book, I haven't, you know, read the whole thing yet. But um, as, as I look through it, you you have some very interesting points. And I would just like to um, share some of those points with the, you know, with the listeners. But before I do that, um, I just I wanted to highlight your work at another organization. Um, you, Willard, Jarvis started uh, a group in the late uh, Bible study or prayer breakfast or lunch in the, in the, in the late seventies. And then by the mid eighties, it formed as Ccam Yes. Right. And that acronym, did uh, you just explain what that is for the. For uh, yeah. Resources? That
1: uh, Ccam stood for capital city association of ministers and churches. And so that was uh, kind of a broader Thing than the than the little group that he started in the seventies, and we really wanted to pursue two things. We wanted to bring together leaders so that there could be a, a defined expression of unity in the city, because this mm. was Jesus' prayer in John seventeen. And we also wanted to learn and promote what caused um, um, a, a renewal of the city. What 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 could God bring to uh, uh cause a city reaching um response in columbus ohio Mm -hmm. so that's what we were about
0: and that went on and then uh willard could sense that his end was near and he appointed you as the as the leader of that in 2000 he ended up passing away in the next year correct and and then in 2018 you rebranded that organization to the five points uh greater apostolic Greater Columbus Apostolic Network, or Five Points GCAN. Can Can, can you explain what Five Points and GCAN? Well, the Lord uh, gave me, in a dream, the
1: vision for this transfer from CCan to GCAN. And um, so I, you know, I really went to the Lord and asked about, you know, what's it going to be called? And had a lot of things in my mind, but finally landed on this five points because we wanted the five areas of the city—the north, the south, the east, the west, and the downtown—represented on the leadership council of this network, and so so that the whole city would, you know, there be a a, a greater uh, expression of of unity there, and so we called the five points Greater Columbus Apostolic Network. This is a different kind of a network because. Most apostolic networks are, are pretty broad, you know, they're national or even international. But this one is just for Columbus and Central Ohio. So it's kind of a, uh, a horizontal uh, type apostolic rather than a vertical, which C. Peter Wagner described in his book, The New Apostolic Reformation. And so... You know, we want to see God come to Central Ohio. We want to see the kingdom of God explode in Columbus and Central Ohio. We believe there's enough grist for the mill right here in Columbus to have a really a major significant move of God and, and whatever God wants to do. And we've been working this deal with unity among the pastors with uh, the CAM movement and now GCAN. There's a lot of real good unity in our city, broad unity across the denominations, non-denominations, kind of what is like I'm leading in the Charismatic Leaders Fellowship, only it's even broader, but it's the same type of thing. So that's where we're at.
0: And as I I was looking at your, I don't know, executive council or whatever you call it, um, which I hadn't seen that, there's probably five At least five people uh, on that council who have been on this podcast also that in their own rights run uh, great ministries and have served the city well. So to see all of them uh, representing leadership spots on your team uh, overseeing, which I think you have a couple hundred churches in that network, correct? Well, there's, I don't know about churches, but we have our organizations and
1: yeah, yeah. There, there would be on, in that, in uh, our mailing list, in the core mailing list, there's a couple of hundred.
0: Yeah. And so uh, for me, one of the exciting things that, that you've done recently is that organization, you said, we're going to adopt a zip code and we're going to jump in and dive in on that zip code. And so you picked 43205, right? Yes. Which is just east of downtown. Um, yes. One of the areas in our city that really needs uh, a, a movement of God. And you picked three areas where you said, hey, if we're going to impact something, these are the things we're going to impact. What, what were those? Um, well, in 43205, we wanted to see
1: the, uh, the crime rate come down, the violent crime rate and the drug dealing mm. component come down we'd like to see it go away completely but really want to see it reduced because that's that was the uh, that was the core uh, commitment from the group in the beginning that this is this is what the feeling of the the three greatest problems in Columbus, Columbus crime drug problem and human trafficking so we we hit two of the three right there in 43205
0: yeah, wow that that's great, man. I, I could probably talk thirty minutes on that work. There's a couple of episodes if you want to go back and listen to Johnny uh, Amos at Shiloh Temple. He's right there in the epicenter, or Norman Brown's episode. Uh, he's he's also in right in that zip code. Uh, his ministry. yeah, and if
1: if I could just say that when we right when we were forming, uh, the mayor of Columbus, Mayor Ginter found out about this and called us into his office, our entire executive council. We went in his office, spent an hour with him. And um, when we got done talking to him, he sat back in his chair and he said, you know what? I have not felt this encouraged for a long, long time. Wow. I can do whatever I can do to help you in this effort. Let me know. And when was that exactly, Scott? That was in uh, May of 2018.
0: So I mean that that is a, you know that is a great thing to hear from a mayor to have access and and four three two hundred five is a, is a tough zip code. We have a bunch of tough zip codes all over Columbus. If we look at the seven county area, there's about a hundred residential zip codes, and uh, there's poverty in a lot of those. There's crime. There's drugs in a lot of those. You know we're number five a state, a number fifth state in the U.S. on human trafficking. The number two state for opioid. Um, uh, usage and, and abuse. And so we, we've got a a mission field here, but to see that you guys are setting an example of how stuff can be done, of how mayors, um, can, can, can be excited uh, about an effort like that to me is just thrilling. And so, you know, this part of this podcast is to share stories about people like you that, that other people can be inspired by it, and feel like they can partner and they don't have to go figure stuff out themselves. So thank you for your, your decades of work there. I want to, I want to get into this book now, this theological violence, and really the the book is about kind of two big concepts, right? What what's happened, uh, you know, in, in America and then how the, you know, kind of sixties played into that. Yes. Um, so w- one of the things that you talk about is that a, a pastor can go to school or go to seminary. So if we look at the life of Christ, okay. And we think about one of his last things that he said is you're going to go do these things and you're going to go do them even more. And if we look at the things that he did, everything, I mean, m- the miracle was defined by his actions.
1: Correct. And, yeah. and so
0: the people that were healed, the people whose lives that were touched, um, Lazarus coming from you know out of the dead. A lot of people say those things aren't for today, but you and I have seen too many times examples of those things happening now today, um, and and that we can only believe in the supernatural because we've seen the supernatural. And you and you argue that the seminary doesn't even prepare leaders for the supernatural anymore. No, and the problem is that the um, it came from a German
1: uh, movement of scholarship about 150 years ago, um, <clears throat> where they they you know took from the Enlightenment this whole rational approach to life and culture, and even applied it to the Bible and said if we can't figure it out with our minds, then it's probably not worth looking at. So um, through the German scholarship, they 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 had to reinterpret. The New Testament, because they could, they did not have a, um, uh, they did not have a mindset to hold the supernatural. So what they did was they they sucked the supernatural out of the whole message of the New Testament and replaced it with rationalism and and um, psychology. What we would say psychology and some of these other things. And so these people who are being trained did not have the kind of faith context to be able to meet the severe problems that they got into once they got into parish ministry they just weren't equipped and I was educated in 1970 under that under that paradigm and it, it you know of course I had some other things going on in my life that that countered that but if you didn't have a base in your life why man you could just really get off track and
0: and many did well, I tell you, as a trained scientist myself and as an engineer, that, that component would be the easiest for me to dismiss, to say, hey, the supernatural, it's silly. I mean, yeah, okay, it maybe happens, but there's no predictability to it. And maybe people are faking it. But as I as I mentioned a couple of minutes ago, I've seen too many examples of it happening. Let's talk about the 60s. And you, you had this quote um, uh, that People that movement was designed to motivate people to throw out conventional authority in favor of secular socialism. What, how, how does that manifesting itself now in 2021?
1: Well, the Bible teaches that whatever you sow, that's what you're going to reap. And so in the 60s, we sowed all these seeds, these seeds of rebellion, um, the, the, seed, the seeds of secular uh socialism and Marxism the whole sexual uh, compromising movement, all this came from the 60s. And now we're reaping because it's come to full flower in, in the 21st century. And that's that's where all this stuff came from. It takes a while, it takes a long time for these seeds to germinate and grow and bloom and become full flower. But now they're full flower. And I believe that that's where they came from. That's chapter two in the book.
0: Yeah. Uh, another thing you talk about is the abandonment of discernment, and just uh, dis- <laughs> the is one of, I don't know, spiritual gifts I have or curses. Sometimes I like to think of
1: it. Yeah, um, sure. That's,
0: that's a tough one to have because it, it with, with the absence of discernment, you can accept different practices. Come on, right? It, but but with discernment right and wrong can be divided. So what you, when you talk about that in that chapter what what's some of the like what's the big thing that you're you know big point you're trying to drive in? Well,
1: the Lord took me to Ezekiel 44:23 where he specifically says the 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 reason for the priesthood in the Old Testament was to be able to distinguish between the clean and the unclean, between the holy and the common. And so we are New Testament priests under Jesus, who's the great high priest. We are a priesthood as the body of Christ. And that is one of our basic assignments is to still be able to discern between what is what is common, what is holy, what is clean, what is unclean. And so that's what discernment is. And boy, do we need that gift today that, or that function today in our lives and if in our leaders and in the body of Christ. Yeah,
0: I'm, I'm gonna skim over a couple of these uh, then these next points so I can drive to some of the ones um, that, that you're making at the end. You you talk about how the prophetic church is staying connected and, and prophecy simply being the ability to hear the voice of God. Um, yes, and you know we we hear so we and we've heard the abuse of prophets so much that we you know have a tendency to dismiss that. But you boiled it down to really being able to hear His voice. The fear of the Lord that He is omnipotent, that He is omnipresent. And that we kind of just casually refer to him as God or, oh, God, if, you know, someone's mad, um, right. which is, which is the, not fear. But then you get this interesting concept of the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God being on earth. And you talk about it as being a lifestyle directed by the Holy Spirit. And I think so many times people, com- you know, are, are, are confused by the kingdom of God. and How can that be today? You, you mind talking about that just quickly? Yeah, well,
1: I I just broke it down in three parts. The kingdom of God in Israel, which was given through the Ten Commandments, and that was God's will or his mind for a a corporate people called Israel. And then when we get to the United States, we have the kingdom of God really unfolded in our original documents and our original mindset uh, from Christianity. Um, There's just no question about that. And you go to Washington, D.C., it's a wash in Christianity. The paintings, the inscriptions, everything, they're everywhere. And then, but then the third one is the, the kingdom of God in, in the church, which becomes um, the rule or the reign of God through the people of God. And these are, you know, track it through history. You have these three areas where the kingdom of God but the kingdom of God is larger than the church. It it involves it envelops the entire uh, witness to God in the earth, and it can be from all different kinds of groups and fellowships and factions and churches and and uh, even Israel. I mean, it it, it involves the entire um, believers,
0: the corporate believing component in the earth. Right. Yeah. Uh, the, his church, the bride of Christ, right? The, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, you, you talk about three fundamental um, cores around unity, worship, and evangelism.
1: Uh, Yeah. That's the chapter seven. It's, and uh, it's <clears throat> that chapter is probably, I've gotten a lot of uh, response from people across the nation about that chapter because it's, it's called form and essence. And the, and the, the thought here is that the forms of Christianity change. I mean, we can see that all the way from the Reformation, you know, that, and, and all, all the way through. The, the form that the, your Christianity takes will change over time, but the essence remains the same. And so, you know, we went from uh, several hundred years of singing hymns, great hymns by people from all over the world and then we transitioned, you know, in the 60s. And from then, we're still in this mode of what we call contemporary worship, where they do songs that come right from the, the Bible, from the the Psalms or from other parts, the prophetic uh, portions of Scripture, where we sing Scripture, Scripture song and and with guitars and drums and this whole thing. And so that's, you know, the essence is the same, but the form changes. So we're probably not going to go back to the way it was in the 18th and 19th centuries with the great hymn writers. Charles Wesley wrote over 6,000 hymns, and most of them had 10, 12 verses. Just think (laughs) of that. I mean, but that's not where we're at today. So, but the essence is the same, to lift up Christ, bring his presence in, and to glorify God.
0: Yeah and you you the last two chapters you really talk about actively pursuing God um, and then the concept of of chronos versus kairos which are two, time, two kind of time scales right Yes <laughs> uh, and then uh, and and then you and then uh, you close with living like the people of God as never before and performing three functions seeing the invisible hearing the inaudible and doing the impossible which that's just sounds crazy, yeah. But it's that's what God's all about, right?
1: It's what God's all about, and I think that, that those are just three functions. I I I said that we're going to be very important for the end times church because I do believe we are in in an end times scenario, and the church has never been quite in the end end times. There's only one church that's going to live through that, and I believe we're it, or at least we're part of it, and um. So we've got to have such a dynamic faith that we can actually tap into that zone where God lives all the time, which is invisible, inaudible, but doing the impossible. The impossible is not impossible with God. It's just impossible with us because we don't live there most of the time, but it's, not, it's natural. It's normal for God. So it's normal for God to want to heal cancer, heart disease, and, uh, some of these other things, but we've got to tap into that in order to see that in the natural and, and, and to, uh, to wake people up so that they'll uh, come alive to the reality of God. Wow, God really is real. And maybe he could do this for me. So um, I believe that's part of our witness in the end times church.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and I'm, so I'm going to talk about the next year here going forward. You are bringing, you helped, um, are bringing an evangelist in to Columbus. And, you know, I, I saw your email a couple of weeks ago and my, my gut reaction, someone who's been faith field, spirit field <laughs> believer for 40 years is we don't need an evangelist here. Um, now, now the uh, the irony is is the the deepest spiritual epiphanies in my life have been around the presence of a labeled evangelist, and wow. <laughs> uh, and uh, so we've been society's been abused by uh, famous um, evangelists, popular evangelists um, yes. who's who's not gospel based, um, they're not spiritual based um, uh, yes. ministries, and but we had dinner recently with this evangelist. And, uh, his humility and his authenticity, um, just, just Striking. really spoke. Yeah. It was unbelievable. And I think the term you use the real deal, uh, okay. you know, I can definitely uh, vouch for that. And, um, in, in a couple of weeks, he's going to be doing a series at Johnny Amos's church at Shiloh temple, but the next year he's planning on bringing a multi thousand person tent to Columbus to do at least, he says, at least one week of events, um, specifically designed to draw out all of this stuff that you're talking about in this book and to leverage the spirit for, for major spiritual encounters. So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of do this big question here, Scott, wrapping a bunch of different things in. You've been leading this group of network of churches for uh, almost two decades we've got this building for Columbus movement that Gcan and denominations and nonprofits are all being part of that's growing in in, in the hundreds of organizations now um, and then also we have people from the outside national organizations from the outside saying Columbus is a Fertile field for something to happen. We've got this uh, uh, evangelist coming here next year to do a, a series of, of meetings that, quite frankly, are, are I believe are going to be fundamental and game changing. But not only that, committing to be in Columbus on the ground for two decades. Yes. And so, so Scott, I want to ask you this question, which I ask every guest: In five years or in ten years, if the Church of Columbus were to truly come together, and if we were to be able to live in a way that you describe in this book and to usher in, what could Columbus look like? Oh, my. It could be, um, you know, I
1: guess a little enclave, a little portion of the kingdom of God on earth. We actually could experience um, the things that I write about in the book, which really are written about in the New Testament. I think we could we will definitely see the coming together of a church, the visible presence of unity in the body of Christ. That our distinctions, our denominational labels, are not causing us in any way to not be able to uh, fulfill our calling and see the kingdom of God come. I think it's going to be great. I think there will be um, a revival amongst the poor. Uh, amongst the destitute, amongst uh, that whole uh, sector of society, I think will come alive to God in in a way that we've not seen before. Um, I, I, it's it's almost it's almost like a Kairos moment, the way you've described it for Columbus, because you know, in 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 Galatians chapter four it says that that Jesus in the fullness of time, you know, God brought Jesus under. Uh, through Mary and under the law, Jesus came into our situation. In the fullness of time, there is a timing with God, and I believe that we are bumping up against this timing for Columbus that is going to just blow the lid off of this city. When the church comes together, when we finally come together, Baptists, Methodists, Pentecostals, Catholics, to, to reach our city for God, we're We've, we've never seen what's going to happen, and, and I think it's kind of a Kairos time because we've, we've built, we've come together over decades building this unity thing. Now it's, it's coming to a crescendo, and you know perhaps uh, our evangelist Tommy Zito can be the catalyst to just you know, light the fuse and really see it go.
0: Um, Scott, thank you so much for your decades pouring in, especially after being raised in Dayton and then coming over to the capital city and, uh, and just laying the foundation with so many others, um, to get to where we are today. We could not be there. And then your continued leadership as you, as you drive that forward, if people want to find out more about what you're doing and things that they get involved in, is there a website or Facebook page that they could go to Uh, yes
1: they could go for the website it's five points it's f-i-v-e points g can g-c-a-n dot org or they can go on facebook and and put in five points g can um probably with the number five i think it is on facebook five points
0: g can and then our our page will come up there as well and then if if people wanted to get a hold of you is there a way they could get a hold of you yeah my email is s Stkelso@gmail.com. at gmail.com. Okay, I'll put all of that information in the show notes. So if, if you guys want to uh, look that up, um, you didn't have a ability to write that down. Just look in the show notes. Scott, thank you for your years of service. I look forward to continuing to work with you. Uh, I can't wait to see uh, how what you explain uh, happening going to happen in Columbus to to, to come to life. So thanks, Scott.
1: And thank you, Adam, for your leadership. And it's just been a joy getting to know you over this last year and look forward to a long association together. Thank you so
0: much. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. Please subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Also, rating and reviewing us on iTunes helps get the word
1: out.